Welcome to Side Talks. It podcast. It it is that. You're right. <laughs> a podcast about cinema, uh, to be more precise. My name is Corey Kraft. I'm one of the co-hosts of this uh, thing. Are you? Are you? <laughs> I don't know. I, or did, 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 I think I'm just are you just be... on mic going to dismiss me from my I, podcast I'm, services? I'm actually just going to dis- dismiss myself. I'm oh. just like I'm just sitting back and you know letting you take over now. Um, anyway, I'm Rachel Morgan, and uh, yeah, we, we're, we're on a podcast about movies, and um, we like them. So let's talk about them. So now it's time for a segment of the podcast called Phone a Friend, where we do just that. Phone a friend. Hello? Hey, Bross. It's it's Rachel and Corey. Yeah, like you do. Hey. <laughs> hey. hey. What you been watching? Okay, well, I watched a really interesting one um, the other day. It was um, shown to me by the world-famous local filmmaker, Bradford Thomason. We love Bradford. You know, he always has really good recommendations, so I always, you know, I trust his his thoughts and things. And um, anyway, we watched After Hours. Hell yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. All right, let's hear this takeaway. I love the oh wow because you're like oh wow usually Lisa watches like shitty terrible movies and wow oh, <laughs> I was wow, a little surprised <laughs> even when Bradford brings you something he usually brings you something a little a little different than that but uh but yeah I'm I'm curious to see what you thought well you know I mean I feel like that's sort of in in my world of like 80s um, yeah kooky character weirdness things you know so you got your Terry Gar you got your Catherine O'Hara you got Rosanna Arquette you had a bunch of like Frodo manic pixie dream girl type weirdos you know so yeah, it tracks, so, yeah it tracks. i see it yeah mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um but it was really fun it was dark and you know weird and you kind of feel trapped like he does oh and two i learned through brad that the whole movie and then you know others similar to it in that same era are the are called the yuppie nightmare cycle oh wow okay i'm not familiar yeah, so that's very cool there's apparently a whole Zone of these, um, there's like a Jeff Goldblum version, a Jeff Daniels version, and a Bruce Willis version that I can think of where they're like a normal yuppie guy who gets, you know, taken for kind literally a ride in some of them, but kind of like figuratively a journey um, by like a wacky, a wacky, weird, cool girl who, you know, doesn't fit their yes. in this yes. one. Like something wild. Something wild is the Jeff Daniels one. Yeah, probably. something wild. Yeah. That's one of them. Love yeah. it. Love yeah. something so wild. Me too. Yuppie nightmare cycle genre, and so yeah, you take your 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 square guy, and you get a, wa- a wacky gal, and then craziness ensues. That's a cool series. I'd make a cool series at the cinema. I'd watch it. Yeah, absolutely. And they all look really good. I've only out, out of the kind of the collection of these. I think this is the only one I've seen. So I'm definitely want to watch more of these. Oh wow, you're gonna really like something wild, Lisa. I really, yeah. I do. I think you're gonna really dig it. It, it, okay, it, yeah. it goes there. It's it's dark too. It, it it gets pretty intense and kind of a similar way to After Hours. And Melanie Griffith is amazing. And that's what I liked it. about this that it was it's like really silly and really light and really absurd a lot of the time, but then it also is very dark and is very you know has a lot of interesting themes that you wouldn't maybe find in just like a general sort of slapstick caper movie kind of a thing. Right. It's like a R rated um, lighting. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but um, okay. So one complaint is um, <laughs> Bronson can show, aka Balky. He is in like the first five minutes, like the first scene, and then we never see him again. And I could have used more Balky. 
No one has ever said that in the history of the world, Lisa. No one has ever, ever said that. So thank you for saying something that nobody's ever said before. I disagree that nobody has ever said that. And here's why. Um, Because he shows up in that one scene in Beverly Hills Cop, and then everybody in the world was like, we want more of that guy. And he became a movie star inexplicably. So oh. clearly somebody said, oh, that's true. we want more Bronson Pinchot at some point. Well, they did, I'm saying like, more Balky. Okay, well, Balky Balky's an acquired taste, I guess. That's what I'm getting at. <laughs> and, you know, not to insult Bronson Pinchot, he was not playing Balky in this particular <laughs> film. Um, but maybe it would have been better if he was. I don't know. He kind of is playing Balky in Beverly Hills Cop, too. That's that's the that's the funny thing. He just had his oh, yeah. he had his moment and he he stuck with it. He stuck with his thing. Yeah. Ooh. Um it's like carrot top. But uh yeah. Yeah. This was great. I mean, and there's the, oh, the there was this really great there's the Berlin, the punk bar mm-hmm. where they were trying to get they were trying to shave a mohawk onto him and I mean like that's traumatic. <laughs> <laughs> Man. Um yeah, and let's see. We got Terry Gar as the real 60s retro gal with all her Aquanet and her um, rat traps all around her bed, which was, yeah, like, mm. she's She's really terrifying in this movie for me for some reason. And I love Terry Gar usually, but she freaks me out in After Hours. Yeah, I guess, that, yeah. They all, they're all so creepy and so weird. And even Catherine O'Hara, yeah, same thing. She drives the ice cream truck, mm-hmm. and it's like... You know, oh, Catherine O'Hara, you know, a, a treasure, but yet you're still kind of like, ah, I want to get away from her. You want to get away from all these weirdos. <laughs> I guess that's the yuppie nightmare cycle of it all. Yeah, I mean, that was certainly part of it. Um, and then, let's see, what were some other, oh, yeah, um, oh, and then, yeah, because he gets trapped because his money, his $20 bill flies out the cab door, so he, like, or the window. So he just kind of, it's, it's funny, because it's one of those movies that you definitely couldn't really make today without setting up a lot ahead of time. Like, how does he not have a phone? How come he can't get an Uber? Or, you know, there's a lot of that kind of thing. Right. It's like mid-80s where it just we can't do them the same now without lots of explanation as to why why we would be without connections, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot is lost with the cell phone. <laughs> I, I will also say, though, as somebody who has walked a great deal on the island of Manhattan, like, you, you just walk, like, a couple blocks north there bud and and get where you need to go it it ain't it ain't that hard i know it's rainy for a lot of the movie and i know it's the middle of the night nobody wants to walk like a mile in the middle of the night but like come on come on griffin dunn i think there's a little bit of (laughs) criticism about his character too i don't think scorsese particularly likes this guy the character or griffin the character because the character i mean it's almost I mean, just look at where the character ends up at the end of the movie, which I don't want to spoil. Like, like Scorsese's right. having fun tormenting this guy because he is yeah. kind of a he's kind of a a, a dick. Yeah, yeah. You, you know what my favorite Griffin Dunn film is? Do you want to take a stab in the dark? American Werewolf. Oh no, no, that would have been. I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna go a step further and say, who's that girl? Oh boy, <laughs> featuring Madonna and a large cat. I, Corey's, I guess, Corey's just uh, maybe mildly having a stroke. Yeah, I guess in hindsight <laughs> that is an unsurprising answer, but uh, you know, in the moment, I, it did take me aback. Oh, I, I'm joking. It, it, it's at least a tie with an American werewolf in London. Well, at least it, you like the film overall, right? I mean, that's it's, it's, this is a good thing. Okay. Yeah, it's not. It's definitely not like, especially when you kind of go in and saying, "Oh, it's Martin Scorsese." It's not like what you would expect, you know. Yeah, and yeah. Um, when I was looking into it, a lot of people say, "Like this is a hidden gem," and you know, different than the, the usual catalog, and that's super true. 
Um, and I was going to say, yeah, I have the same thought. I was like, couldn't you have just walked home by now? I mean, I get it. If you just walk away from this Soho or home, then, you know, there's no more movie and it's resolved. Yeah. But I did, when I was looking at it, someone had done the Google Maps work and they mapped from um, Kiki's Soho loft to his apartment uptown. And it would have taken him like an hour and 45 minutes to walk it. So he really could have just walked home eventually, you know, but of course we wouldn't have the film that we have at that point, you know? Oh, I also just appreciate the world of people who feel the need to Google map something instead of just suspending their goddamn disbelief. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. It was really cool and very different. And, um, yeah, I definitely am going to watch all of the, the yuppie nightmare cycle, uh, collection at this point. So yeah, maybe that's a, maybe that's a, a screening set you can do. Cool. I, no, I, I'm into this. I'm into the series. And uh, like I said, you know, maybe once you're done with that, just sneak in a screening of uh, Who's That Girl? Yeah, yeah. I'm Why not? Madonna is through the whole... You, you've seen it, right? Corey? I have not seen it. Through the whole film, she talks like this. And I'm not kidding. <laughs> and it's highly irritating. Anyway, add it to your list, Lisa, and see how far you can make it through <laughs> this thing. And the, the, okay. the, the, the big cat is named Louie. And uh-huh. it just is like sort of just hanging out all the time. Like... As if you'd have, like, I don't know if it's, I think it's like a panther or something. Nice. Um, and it's just kind of chilling. Is it a real live panther? Yeah. What is this like? Is is this like a screwball comedy, like yeah. bringing up baby style thing? Yeah. Yeah, that doesn't sound particularly good. I don't know. I'm thinking <laughs> add it to the list, Lisa, and let us know what you think. Okay. Okay. Well, thank, thank you for bringing this this hidden gem to us. We appreciate it. And uh, and for also sort of, you know, offhand pitching us a, uh, a series I think we should do. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, yeah. You should yeah, talk to Bradford about this because he seems sure. to know uh, this whole world. Yeah, I'm, I'm into it. All right, we'll talk to you soon. Okay, bye. 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 And now, Fast Film Terms. Fast Film Terms. I'm doing a little different. I mean, it was, I, I could hear you enunciate the words instead yeah. of just going like, well, that works too. Yeah. But I got a couple for you today. All right, let's hear them. Uh, one of them may take me a little bit longer to describe, but it's called, it's a dots. Dots. Yeah. Like, you know. Like the chewy candy that nobody really wants to get at Halloween. Yeah. Except that this is in the film world, something a little different, even though you might find those on a craft services table. Um, these are like small round kind of wire loops. Uh, okay. That are attached to a handle, usually a metal handle. Sort of like the picture of the thing that is in the is in bubbles that you blow bubbles with. That yeah. kind of wand, okay. right? It looks like that. Um, and you can cover them with a variety of things from like netting to like a wire scrum to some sort of opaque material. Um, and as I'm sure you're now probably imagining, you can use that to un- eliminate un- un- unwanted light. Yeah, so, okay. Like like annoying highlights that just happen to be coming from, a, from, from whatever lighting situation gotcha. you're dealing with and similar lighting issues. And so you use these dots... Um, for that purpose, and of course I, they're bigger than the wand and the uh, and the bubble, but you know it's this uh, bubbles. It's a similar kind of concept there. I have seen these used, and I have used one myself, so I didn't oh. know that's what it was called. Well, there you go. You were using a dot. How about that? Um, and then uh, and then here's the other one, which is another uh, one one of my favorites because it is a ridiculous film term, uh-huh. um, like we do. You know how we like the the bullets, but it's just a damn clothespin. <laughs> you know? uh, and this is a 1900 box. Well, I have no idea what this is. You've probably used one before. Okay. It is just a standard four by four inch metal outlet that oh. contains the two sets of electrical outlets. 
And it's uh, a 1900 box. I have I have definitely used one of these before and do pretty much daily. Yes. There you go. Uh, why is it called that? I have no idea. And, uh, and you know, I didn't search too deeply, but a lot of folks were like, nobody really knows why it's called this, but it's called this. So. That, that sounds like a fast film term <laughs> to me. If anybody knows why or wants to do some further deep diving, email us at um, podcast at sidewalkfest.com and tell us why the hell a 1900 box is a 1900 box. That's fast film terms. All right, let's go. Big, big bucks. Today's my day. Let's go. Big bucks. No whammies. No whammies. Big bucks. Big bucks. Here we go. Stop. Oh, my gosh. What is that? I'm scared, Corey. Lightning just struck somewhere over there. It just it, it, it just means it's time for the filmmaker lightning round. And we're putting this one once again in a headlock and switching things up a little bit. We're, we're usually talking about directors, but today we are going to talk about an actor. Uh, not just any actor, perhaps one of the greatest of all time. We are talking, of course, about the reigning queen of, uh, well, pretty much everything, Miss Meryl Streep, um, the most uh, nominated uh, actress in Academy Awards history. Yeah. Um, she said she has set a record that I don't think will ever be broken. Um, and uh, you know what? A bunch of those performances, pretty good too. So let's just jump right in. Um, Rachel, what's a Meryl Streep movie that you love? Okay. So there's a, there are 96 options here. Well, yes. I mean, not all of them are films, but I mean, there's a good 70 plus, right? Um, and so I'm going to go a little off the rails here with this one. Oh, boy. Yeah. And I'm going to go back to a childhood favorite. And, uh, you know, I tend to throw some curveballs with these childhood favorites, but around sixth grade, I was fifth, sixth grade, I was pretty obsessed with Silkwood. (laughs) 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 And uh, by the way, we can call Kay Morgan, who is a.k.a. my mom one day and ask her if I'm telling the truth and she will absolutely let you know. I wrote letters to Kermagee. I was pretty fired up about the uh, the the um, what's revealed in the film Silkwood. And uh, and so it's it's holds a close you know, close to my heart here. Um, and yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you haven't seen Silkwood, it is a, it is a bit of an odd choice for a fifth grader. Um, you know, she's, uh, just, yeah. you know, cause she's working in a plutonium plant and, uh, you have to walk through, this is based on a true story, uh, story of Karen Silkwood. You have to walk through these sort of radiation detectors as you leave the, uh, the, the factory, right. To go home. And if it, if it, if it determines that you have plutonium somewhere on your body, it's there's been a leak and, and, and you've been um, somehow exposed that then they take you to a shower and scrub off the top layer of your skin with a wire brush. Yes, they do. <laughs> um, anyway, it's also a whopping like two and a half hours and I, yes, it is. It. And it, Oh, by the way, it also features Cher and Kurt Russell. So if you haven't stopped what you're doing right now <laughs> to go watch Silkwood, I don't know what's wrong with you. Cher and Kurt Russell at their hottest, perhaps? Yeah, and uh, and Cher and, um, Cher and Meryl Streep have a little bit of an affair yeah, in this. Yeah. So there's all kinds of stuff happening in Silkwood, one of my fifth grade favorites. Wow. Uh, well, that that is such that is <laughs> that's a surprise on one level, and on another level, not a surprise yeah. at all. Um, okay, a Meryl Streep movie that I love. Um, I, I already mentioned adaptation for the Nicolas Cage filmmaker Lightning Round. Obviously, I think she's wonderful in that. But I'm going to focus on a movie uh, that I think is made great by her performance. 
Um, and that is 2009's Julie and Julia, directed by Nora okay. Ephron, where she uh, plays Julia Child. Yeah. Um, the film is uh, based in part on the life of Julia Child, and then the other half of the movie, the Julie part, uh, is based on the blog of some lady who decided to cook her way through the Julia Child cookbook and got famous for it because once upon a time, if you started a blog, you could get famous and get a book deal out of it. I know. Isn't that crazy to think it, about? It was a moment in history that will never be recreated. Um, Amy Adams plays Julie Powell, the Who? character in that half. Uh, she's also good. Uh, <laughs> we'll have to talk about her some other time. Um, but, you know, that half of the movie is fine. It's whatever. But but the half with Julia Child uh, and Meryl Streep playing Julia Child is wonderful. And you have a lot of really great stuff in that. And, and the movie itself, which was Nora Ephron's, the late great Nora Ephron's final film, uh, rises to excellence because of Meryl Streep. Um, I I think that when we look at Meryl Streep's filmography, we see her doing the work in a lot of movies that are not necessarily worthy of, of her. Um, Sure. She is she is an actress who who puts in a lot of great performances in movies that are not otherwise particularly good. Yeah, that's fair. And I think I think Julie and Julia is probably the best example of her making uh making a movie work almost single-handedly. Mm-hmm. And I can think of a couple other recent examples too, but we might touch on some of those soon. Um what is a Meryl Streep movie that you think you might uh like more than most people? She Devil. Yeah, well, I mean, you just talked uh, in the last episode about Desperately Seeking Susan, same director, right? Yeah, and, um, you know, it's been a while since I've seen it, uh, but I do remember enjoying it very much and and it getting a lot of, you know, it was was critically sort of panned and... Mm -hmm. You know, I don't think it's as bad as everybody, you know, said said it was, and uh, and I I don't know where it kind of stands today in the in the in the rear view, but I kind of you know I remember enjoying it. I remember thinking it's pretty good, and I also remember you know thinking I bet she had fun doing that. I think it's mostly forgotten, but it came out at a moment where. You know, it's almost like the the movie going public was holding their nose, saying like, "Well, Meryl Streep can't do comedy." Right. Right. She she had that hanging over her head for a little while there. Yeah, um, and, and probably part of why she I I am sure part of why she did this is like just you know little sidestep. So. Yeah, stre- stretch her muscles. You know, with that, uh, death becomes hers around the same time. Yep. where she's going big and broad and silly, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, a Meryl Streep movie that I like more than most people. Uh, I'm going to say the 2004 remake of The Manchurian Candidate, um, directed by uh, the wonderful uh, director Jonathan Demme. Um, we were just talking about something wild. Yeah. Um, the Manchurian Candidate has very little to, uh, in common with something right, wild. Right. Um, but Meryl Streep plays kind of a delicious. Uh, Hillary Clinton style senator in this movie with sort of machinations, political machinations of her own surrounding her son played by Leah Schreiber. And of course, Denzel Washington plays the sort of main character, the, the uh, Frank Sinatra role from the original. Um, It's a pretty fun twist on that classic paranoid thriller um, that again is, is made very much worth watching just because Denzel and Meryl Streep are in it, to be honest. Right. So what's a Meryl Streep movie that you uh, might not like as much as most people do? Oh, you know, there's probably a, there's probably a number of them. Um, Out of Africa 
because clearly it's loved by many. Best picture be, winner? Yeah, would be it would be one that I just I don't care that much. And then I'll just give a quick shout out to uh, Ironweed because I've never watched it because the cover of that thing and the poster for that thing looks like a 30 Rock poster. It is just absolutely <laughs> terrible or like something in, you know, like the player um Robert Altman's the player. It just yeah. it looks like a joke and I I can't even go there with it. And I don't know that there that Ironweed has that many fans, but I'm just adding it to that list. Well, if you're a fan of Ironweed, take that. <laughs> I don't know. And I'd, shove it up I, out of Africa. Uh, I've never seen either of those movies. Uh, and out of Africa is a big blind spot that I'll get around to eventually. I'm not in a big hurry for Ironweed. Snooze fast. Yeah. Uh, I've got two I want to mention as well. The first, uh, I don't think Meryl Streep is often bad in movies. I think she's usually yeah. quite good. I think she's actively bad in a movie she got an Oscar nomination Ooh, for called Doubt. From 2008. Okay. And Doubt also stars Amy Adams and stars the late great Philip Seymour Hoffman and Viola Davis. And all four of them got Oscar nominations for it. And Meryl Streep kind of sinks this movie for me. Damn. Yeah. You went there. Okay. I did. Okay. I think she, I, I, her performance is miscalibrated Oof. in that movie. Um, and I also want to say um, her breakout performance came in Michael Cimino's The Deer Hunter in 1978, yes. which is not a movie I like very much. Oh. Yeah, I had no idea, Corey. Yeah, I had no idea. Well, I uh, I will give a little throw a little bone to Kramer versus Kramer because I love her in that film. Yeah, she's. Great. I think she's brilliant in that film. Mm-hmm. I re- I rewatched that film not that long ago, and she really w- sort of sealed it up for me. She's not in it for she's not in it long, um, but it is such a like it is such a revolutionary performance in mm-hmm. so many ways. For one, because this is a film in which um, the which the mother leaves a family situation, and it is. She plays this role with such empathy. It, it is a she's she's heartbreaking in it. She's gorgeous and I mean it, it's it's a great film I think and uh, and her performance in it is part of why agreed on all counts. Yeah. And in fact, that might have been my answer for a movie from Meryl Streep that I feel like I need to yeah. revisit. What's yours? Yeah, um, you know, postcards from the edge. Yeah, I want to see that one too. I so this this new biography of Mike Nichols just came out written by the great film writer, Mark Harris. Yeah. Uh, and I have that on my nightstand. I'm wait. I can't wait to dig into it and I'm only reluctant to dig into it because I know I'm going to want to start rewatching all these Mike Nichols right. movies. Right. And Silkwood is one of those. Of course she collaborated with Nichols a bunch of times, but postcards from the edge, a big one. Yeah. And so that's, that's definitely one that I, it's been a long time since I've seen it. It's such a strange film. In yeah. A lot of it's ways weird. Too. Um, and very meta in a lot of ways. And, uh, yeah, I'm just, uh, I, I'll be a fun one to rewatch for sure. It's also a little bit of a different role from, for Meryl. Mm-hmm. And so I'd be, I'd be interested in seeing that. I also, I like the Iron Lady a lot and I know a lot of people did not like Fucking that. Fucking hate that movie. Okay. <laughs> so Sam, you want to make a note? Wow. You know what movie I hate? What? The prom and she's in the prom. Yeah, she is and in I the, hate prom. the prom. She's in the prom and we sing everything now on the podcast. Um, I want to revisit. I want to revisit. <laughs> uh, I, I mentioned that I want to revisit Kramer versus Kramer. I want to revisit the hours one of these yeah. days. Well, do you want to be really fucking sad? I, I mean, that's, yeah, that the, is, only, that's that is, the only reason I don't put that it in. is the, 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 um, that's the, that's why I'm reluctant. Um, that's why you're reluctant. So real quick. <laughs> I like how you totally skipped that. I'm just, I'm just letting it just go past real quick. Rank the three lead performances in the hours. Based on memory. 
I couldn't do that right now. Okay. I just don't. You you go. You take that. There's just no no damn way I could do it at this minute. It, I, it's been it's been a decade. I, it's been a while for me too. I, I, the reason I wanted to do that is to provoke you a little bit by oh, saying sure. that okay. Nicole Kidman is number three out of three. Oh, I see what you're doing. Yeah, I see what you're doing. But Julianne Moore and and Meryl Streep are both really amazing in that movie too. So you know, I don't really want to talk to you right now. <laughs> <laughs> Let's wrap this up. You know up who else is in here. the prom? Nicole Kidman. So why don't we, you know, we could dwell on that. Why don't we dwell on that, Corey? <laughs> that was the filmmaker lightning round. I'm going to um, continue to lightning round. tease Rachel about Nicole Kidman off mic. So uh, we'll just get to that. Nicole Kidman. Boo, call me. Thank you so much for listening to Side Talks. We are your own personal cinematic Jennifer Love Hewitt and Sarah Michelle Geller. And Brad, could you give us a little Your Body is a Wonderland right here? Or will it make you vomit? Your body is a wonderland. Your body is a wonderland. Why would you do that? The What's song the was written about the song is written about Jennifer Love Hewitt. Is it really? Yes. Did I just blow your mind? Yes. Uh, that is a total John Mayer song about Jennifer Love Hewitt. Oh, why would she let him do that? <laughs> why would anybody let that man touch them? But she certainly did, because her body is a wonderland. So what's the connection between her and Sarah Michelle? Well, they, first of all, both have three names. Okay, okay. They both were acting at the same time, sort of height of their careers at the same time. Yeah, they're, okay. they're both in I Know What You Did Last Summer. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. So that's that's that's, tri- that's, that's enough. right there. That's enough. Yeah, that's that's all I needed. <laughs> and I hope right now that your body is a wonderland is still playing. By the I, way, it needs to take us I all the way really out. I really hope not. Uh, Sidewalkfest.com. Um, Thanks to Boutwell Studios for putting your body is a wonderland right here. Check us out on social media at Sidewalk Film on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, where you'll see all the news about what Sidewalk is doing. I'm going to hurry through this so we can stop listening to this song. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Boutwell Studios Podcast Division. Your words, our expertise.